Hello and welcome back once again. And this week we are continuing our discussion with Brother Ethan Tate from the Tri-City School of Preaching. Uh, we've been down here for the last several weeks recording these prog- uh, podcasts and uh, hopefully giving you information that you can use and learn and apply to your life. The whole reason why we do these podcasts is because we are trying to glorify God. We are trying to give Him all the praise and the honor and the glory that He deserves as being creator of the universe. We are trying to introduce you to His Son, Jesus Christ, whom has died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. We are doing it in a way that hopefully challenges you the way you think, and in in challenging you the way you think, maybe look at the scriptures and hopefully come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, when we think about the truth of the scriptures, there is only one truth. We're going to demonstrate this a little bit more today. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how the idea of theism, that there is one God, his son, Jesus Christ, and how that has branched out. Uh, Brother Ethan Tate has been with us for the last several weeks, breaking this down for us uh, in a very real and easy to understand way. Uh, This is the Patriot Preacher Podcast, and we're continuing that this week. Uh, Ethan, how are you today? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you, Dan, for the invitation. That is very hard to say. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to get my buddy Justin (laughs) on him getting me that. Every time I say it, I I struggle with it. That's what he's laughing at. He's laughing at the title, which is which is fine with me. It is a hard title. We'll call it the Triple P. Triple P. <laughs> uh, so today, uh, and this is what makes me the happiest the most, is Brother Ethan is enjoying this time with me, I hope. And uh, I'm, enjo- I'm, yes. de- I'm definitely enjoying this. Uh, this is what podcast to me is all about, is get with friends, uh, get their perspective, get some truth, uh, get the truth of the Word of God and get it out to people who don't have it and hopefully in the process converting souls to Christianity. As I said, when we got into this, we were talking about the branches of theism and how it branched out, how it split, how it denominated, and now we're trying to pull people back to the truth. Ethan, is it possible for everyone to believe uh, the same way concerning scriptures? Absolutely, it's possible because God said it's possible. Even Jesus prayed for it. Why would Jesus pray for an impossibility? We've, we referenced John 17 multiple times. Jesus prayed for unity. And even Paul would make a plea uh, in 1 Corinthians 1. I hear that there are divisions among you. This ought not to be so. Well, how, how could this be fixed if people would simply be unified? The problem is, is not that God had this fake fantasy that just... You know what? That's that's the ideal goal, but you know it just God it, it can't happen. It it really can. The problem is is that we make it hard for it to be that way because we like doing things our own way. Um, and as we talked about uh, this idea of syncretism, taking different core beliefs of different worldviews and saying, well, we can just accept some things of different viewpoints and we can all be okay it's not going to work because there's going to be contradictions to those beliefs. Uh, We talked about the idea that these worldviews, especially in the Christian worldview, if we just simply just kind of sprinkled some faith here and there and went to church every once in a while and just tried to do the right thing, then surely that makes biblical Christians. No, 
biblical Christians are Christians built by the Bible. That, that's that's logic, um, and it's it's interesting through these studies that um, people just they simply want to go after their own desires. We're very emotionally driven. Uh, we're a very entertained society in America. Um, so in in saying that, because we're entertained. Uh, in in driving for our choices and our thoughts, it's interesting that our worldviews are driven that same way through the way that politics works, the way that the ethics of a nation works. Uh, when you look at art and you look at the drawings, especially postmodern art, it's very abstract. Why? Well, you can kind of... Uh, we want the picture to be in the eyes of the viewer. They're the ones who are going to interpret what it is. No, that's, that's the painter's job. The painter is the one who is supposed to be portraying the idea. Uh, music is driving our worldviews. Uh, you listen to some of the terrible, I'm not saying listen to it, don't listen to it actually, uh, a lot of the pop songs. Uh, songs about love is nothing new. Song of Solomon, called the Song of Songs, is a song uh, writing about love. Um, if you can put it to music, uh, more power to you. But our worldviews are driven by a lot of things especially in the divisions of the worldviews. The most prevalent today in America for the Christian worldview is this idea that's called moralistic therapeutic deism. And the idea is, is that we can determine what is right based upon what feels good to us, and God is somewhat involved but not necessarily involved. And these people who believe in this kind of viewpoint believe that God remains distant. That's one of the ideas of deism uh, from people's lives. Uh, people, in response to that, are to do good to other people. And, Dan, you got an idea on that. Well, I was just going to say, you have to say that again, uh, what you just said. The, the what? Moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. I had to let you say it again so I could say it. It's almost like <laughs> saying the Patriot Preachers podcast. It's, <laughs> yes. it's difficult to it's say. It's difficult to say, but I like that idea because what what we're getting ready to discuss, and I'm going to let you go on here in just a moment, but what we're getting ready to discuss, folks, is really the result of theistic branching out. That's right. And so this is very important to understand because why... We're answering the question. I don't want this to get lost on people. We are answering the question as to why people denominate. And not only that, where does denominationalism lead? What is the next step down? It, it is the moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. That's where we're going right now, folks. Uh, Ethan, tell us a little bit about that. Now, this belief, again, because it's it's a part of deism, but it's also considered a part of the, theism, uh, being a theistic belief. Um, they believe God is distant from people's interaction. Uh, and because of that, people are just simply supposed to do good things for each other. And your ultimate purpose in doing good things for other people is to pursue what makes you happy and what makes you feel good. There's not really this idea of a moral absolute, which kind of goes against what, how can we know we need to do good to each other if there's no moral absolute. Um, God allows good people into heaven, and that God places very limited demands on people. Now, what's interesting is this is not brand new. It didn't just come out of nowhere. In fact, if you look in 
all generations, even the, the biggest generation right now, most prevalent and influential right now, some would say, I don't think it's the case, but some would say would be the millennial generation because we have more of them living right now than any other. Obviously, older generations are dying out. That's, that's how life works. But it's interesting, this syncretized and moralistic viewpoint there are close to 80% or 70 to 80% of all generations, with the exception of the youngest generation, because they're brand new on the scene, uh, or the new two newest generations. Um, they just haven't had time to cultivate and develop yet. But in this moralistic idea, listen to some of these ideas and see if they can actually work alongside with the biblical way that we are to live, and that, that just means by the Bible alone. See if this corresponds to what the Bible says. Those who say, I am a Christian, but then they're MTD, we can do short for moralistic therapeutic deism. 95% of these individuals do not consider success in life to be described as being consistently obedient to God. 95% say, it's okay if you live this life, but you don't have to be consistently obedient to God. It's okay if you kind of have fun in life, if they want to use that. 95%. 92% do not believe that the wealth they have has been given to them by God to manage for his purpose. It's my money. I can do whatever I want with it. 92%. 91% do not believe that people are born into sin and need to be saved by Jesus Christ. Now, that's actually that's a two-part statement that we can come back to. 91%. 88% say they get their primary moral guidance from various sources other than the Bible. 87% do not believe that the ultimate purpose of human life is to know, love, and serve God with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul. 76% contend that good people can earn a place in heaven through their good behavior. 75% do not believe that God is the basis of all truth. I'll say that one again. 75% do not believe that God is the basis of all truth. They claim to be a Christian under this MTD, but God is not the source of all truth. Let me let me read some verses to respond to what you just said. I'm sitting over here itching. There, there is so much to, so many. to get out of this. So, Matthew 22 says, Jesus said that you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, for those who don't believe that the word is all truth at what Jesus said, we go back again to John 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them, those who have been separated, through thy truth, thy word is truth. So uh, what, are, what are all these statistics, statistics saying well, so th this is, it's not, I say it's funny, it's not funny. The logical reasoning behind all this, even the people who did the research, this statement after they say, even the last one, uh, or the last two, 74% believe in karma, 71% do not believe that the Bible is the true and reliable communication from God, and there's some reasons why people may think that, but we'll look at the biblical perspective here in a moment. Here's the, here's the findings of the people who did this study. Other errant beliefs possessed by a majority of adults who are substantially influenced by MTD include the fact that they do not hold on to an orthodox biblical understanding of God. 
I agree with that. Throw out the word orthodox. These people who hold these views do not have a biblical understanding of God. Absolutely. That is exactly what's going on in this Why are we talking about this? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, the, the branches away from God are going to be beliefs that do not have a biblical understanding of God. Now, for the, the rest of this, because these people who hold to these values, you're going to find a lot of these people are the ones who are throwing up the uh, LGBTQ, XYZ, ABCDE, uh, viewpoint. Basically, you can love whoever you want and you can't identify what your body is. This group of people is identified with this, especially the ones who say, I am a Christian, but I can still love whoever I want. Um, these are the same people who say that your political values have absolutely no effect to your Christian beliefs. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches either. Um, these individuals are the same kind of people who say that, you know what, if it benefits the greater good of mankind, that's acceptable. It's not about the Bible perspective. It's about what benefits man most. What benefits man most is following the Bible. Now, with all this said, because there's a lot of people going, get this guy off this show. Friends, I'm only reading statistics. I don't. I don't believe in any of these things that the MTD community would believe in. What I do believe in is just like the Athenians in Acts 17. They don't know exactly what they do believe in, and they claim to be worshiping God, but what they're truly doing is worshiping the unknown God. Why is he unknown? Because even though they know some things about him, they're afraid to actually confine to one belief in some way, or they might be um, angry at the idea that how dare you say there's only one belief, and even the Epicureans and the Stoics of Acts 17 would have the same problem. But there's also another group of people that I do want to bring into consideration, especially in any worldview, but specifically Christian, why the Bible worldview is definitely biblically that is the only worldview that is consistent with the Bible because that, that's what we get when our name after. We follow the Bible. We're biblically uh, Bible-following Christians. Well, when you look at Acts 17, Paul comes to this group of people named the Bereans. You look at Acts, 10, or Acts 17, verse 10. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And they, when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews these people were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, you'd have to read the first nine verses to find out what happened. Paul brought a message. There were some who believed that Jesus did rise. They became Christians, and there were some Jews. I believe it says it down in verse 5. They were envious that Paul brought this message and, quote-unquote, took people away from their church, as some may say today. And they chased Paul and Silas, and it's going to mention Timotheus here in a moment, out of town. Well, these individuals, these Bereans, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. How? In that they received the word of God with all readiness. Didn't say that they accepted it. They simply received the message. So a message has been given to them. They searched the scriptures daily because Paul has a message from the scriptures. What else are you going to prove the scriptures with than with the scriptures to find out whether or not what they're saying is right or not? And they searched daily whether these things were so. Now, what's interesting, fair-minded, another way of saying this, noble-minded, King James, you look in the Greek behind this idea of fair-mindedness. This is authentic, open, 
mindedness. You know how many people in the world today would say we need Christians to stop being so closed-minded, be open-minded? I think another way of saying it, if you uh, consider Matthew 7, is we need to be narrow-minded. Well, the idea is is we're aiming for the straight and narrow way. Um, Well, if we're going to be truly open-minded, biblically speaking, true open-mindedness is being able to take a message, compare it to the standard, and reason things out based upon the standard. And it's interesting he reasoned from the word. Uh, he would say that in verse 11. They received the word. They searched the scriptures. And you see this word again uh, down in verse 13 when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul. The word, scriptures, the word of God. That's exactly why we're here, friends. Uh, we're here to test whether or not we actually are biblical Christians. And in searching and identifying the Christian worldview, The Christian worldview is not something set by a world standard. It is set by an out-of-this-world standard, God. Now, we either can accept that, being that God is the creator of his own word, that makes sense because the Bible is called God's word, or we can deny it and say, no, that cannot be the case. And if that is your answer to that question or that logical thinking, then you've got a problem with the evidence. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, there are so many people today that, what about special revelation today? I mean, I can ask this question. We can go completely. You <laughs> we know, can we go can, many ways. Yeah, we can go many ways for a lot longer yes. time. I understand that we're, we're on a time for recorded here, but I just want to read something here. I want you to think about that question, though. Is there special revelation today? If there is, then the Bible is not true because the Bible tree teaches that all things have been given in se- several different places. First uh, Corinthians chapter thir- uh, 13, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3, Jude 3, all things have been given. But I want you to think about this. Romans 15, verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were for our learning. We're learning about the Scriptures right now and how important it is to be unified and how important it is to rely on that which is written. Right. And it says here, it says, that we through patience, well, I'm sorry, for it is, uh, let me find out where, where it was. Uh, written aforetime for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, if we don't put our hope in scriptures and what we're learning, then we're in great despair. We're in trouble. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be how? To be like-minded. There's only one way we're going to be like-minded. If we are not like-minded, we are going to be, we're going to start out believing in God. We're going to branch out from that. We're going to, we're going to denominate, and then we're going to believe in, in a version of God that just simply is not true. And then, you know, when you think about it, when we think when we talk about the mind of God, we're talking about the spirit, the very character of God. Yes. How can I know what God is thinking without God telling me? That's the whole underlying thesis that Paul draws up for the Corinthians in First Corinthians two. The spirit of a man is unknown to other individuals unless if that man reveals it to them, yes. whether by writing or speaking it out. And if there's a third way, uh, let me know. But basically, it's his thoughts being relayed to other people. If God did not relay that, we would not have the Bible because the Bible is the mind of God. How do I know that? Ethan, you're just saying that. No, that's what the Bible says 
that it, another way of saying it, that's how God's mind has revealed to man's mind what scriptures are. Now, some Dan, you got a comment? First Corinthians 4 and verse 6 touches on what you're talking about. It says, And these things, brethren, have I in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos, and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think men above that which is written. And you know what's interesting about Paulus is that in Acts chapter 18, when he actually is converted, uh, there were two people who took him uh, off to the side because he was instructed in the way of the Lord, verse 25 of uh, Acts 18, being fervent in the Spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. Now, we're not, we're not here to talk about the, the difference between the baptisms, uh, but we're under New Testament, New Commission baptism Absolutely. in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And someone might say, well, didn't he say go baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost by their authority, by the authority of God? Well, who are we baptized into now? Galatians 3, 26, 27. We're baptized into Christ. Uh, well, because it's his church, Matthew 16, 18, and it's his body. When you are baptized, you are now a child of God. That, that's how that works. Well, Apollos was teaching the wrong thing. And in fact, Aquila and Priscilla, who were New Testament Christians, they heard him, verse 26, and they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more perfectly. And when he desired to cross Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive Apollos, that when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed uh, through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures, the Word of God, the Word, the Bible, that Jesus is the Christ. Now, granted, this is where there's going to be some side comments. Don't you know there are textual discrepancies in manuscripts? That is a discussion for another time, and that is a very good statement if someone were to make that. But regardless of the manuscripts, if we were to presume that what we have is the Word of God, we're going to, you've got to make a choice on that, and that's a really good study and very rewarding. I'm going to say yes. The only reason I say that is through my own studies, and again, that's a topic for another time. If the Bible claims to be inspired, it has to show signs that it truly is. It's got to be able to give things to mankind that man cannot know on his own, things such like the story of creation. Well, don't we know there's, um, was it Gilgamesh? No, that's not it. Uh, there's, There's other folklore tales of the flood, and, well... Those are other evidences that something happened, but which came first, the biblical story or the after accounts of historical artifacts? You do know the Bible, even though what we have in a manuscript, it might be like the earliest versions in 2nd, 3rd century, does not mean that the messages did not exist before then. Um, Other things beyond creation. Um, How do we know about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, the Bible records those things. You're not going to find that city on a map. Why? It was decimated. God revealed that. How do we know about a person named Moses or um, Miriam, his sister? Why Why Miriam? That's a nobody in history because Scripture reveals those things. Well, what about things that man can't know? What about how to get to heaven? What about the creator of the universe and his thoughts? That is special revelation. In fact, Ecclesiastes um, there are two passages I want to read from that, and then, uh, Dan, you can make uh, closing comments. I, I say that like I'm controlling it. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but in, I'm having fun, I promise. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 
the whole purpose of the book, when you go through it, and if you don't believe me, you don't have to, but going through the book, you will come to find out that he's trying to figure out the purpose of life. And it would say in the very beginning, words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Study the Old Testament, you'll find out that's Solomon. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man in all his labors in which he toils under the sun? And it's interesting, look at verse 10. Is there anything new of which it can be said, see, this is new? It already has been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of those things which are to come by those who will come after. Verse 12 and following gives the purpose of the book. He set his heart to know the purpose of life. And at the end of all of his trials and his turmoils through trying to understand life, think about life, and really contemplate life, comes to find out that nothing that man does in and of himself is actually satisfying. But there is one thing. If man were to find purpose in one specific thing, he says at the end of all of this, verse 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, secret implies that no one can know about it. Well, God can. You Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and it talks about who knows the heart of men other than God. He doesn't search as man sees, but he searches the hidden things of the heart. That is the God that we strive to learn and know about. And a man who was considered the wisest man of all people to ever live, he said, in all my wisdom, I have come to find out that you will only find satisfaction if you live for the very purpose you were created for, to find out who God is and how you can be pleasing to him and love him. That's hard. And that's why we do this. That's right. Second, I want to close with this, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Why do we podcast? Why do we live stream? Why do we do this? Uh, it is fun. I love sitting across from Brother Ethan here and listening to him talk about these things. Uh, I've been educated. I love learning about these things. Uh, I obviously come to the right place to get that information. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. We are made known unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Folks, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us and contact us. We are all over Facebook, I hope. You can reach out to any one of us and ask us questions. And this is what we hope that happens. Uh, we are continuing these uh, podcasts. I about said live streams. I'm, all, I'm so about doing live streams, too. Uh, but this is the Patriot Preacher Podcast. Got it right that time. Mm. Not like the beginning. You had to warm up a little bit. And so if you enjoy what you're listening to, enjoying what you're listening to, please hit the like button. Tell people about us. The more people you tell, the more people that likes our content and hits the like button, the more it is going to get published. The more people, will, the easier it will be for people to find it. And so this is why we tell it. We are on the uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify I think I'm on another one, too. I'll have to get on my uh, podcast host to see. But I'm thankful for everyone that listens, and I'm feeling truly blessed that I'm able to be here with Brother Ethan and go through these things. Thank you. Same to you, Dan. And so we're going to wrap this up, and hopefully we'll be recording again soon. And as I said, thank you for listening. God bless you all, and have a good night.